0: To another episode of money for nothing the podcast about music and capitalism um before we get started today i think that sam and i wanted to just make a statement about the ongoing israeli palestinian conflict um sam yeah i mean this is
1: clearly like as a jewish american just been like an absolutely incredibly upsetting tragic couple of weeks as just like violence has like spun out of control and include this is not like something this podcast (laughs) focuses on but we just want to like add our voices uh to the calls for a ceasefire that no one should be killed and punished for the actions of another and like that that any loss of life is, is clearly horrific but like the best way to prevent uh, tremendous horrific losses of life right now is 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 for a ceasefire and and that seems to be the only thing that that makes any
0: any sense. 100% agree with that sentiment. Um so awkwardly moving on to the show. Uh we are putting the money for nothing magnifying glass on Electric Zoo or Ezoo. Ezoo baby <laughs> as the kids uh call it apparently. Um and uh a bit of a debacle that went down this it past was, summer in new york i actually i have friends um close
1: friends uh shout out to uh Caitlin turner who uh, i didn't realize but has been going the izu since it started like oh, yeah. for the last last decade and um was kind of bummed <laughs> was was bummed that she was traveling internationally during this year's festival and has been and the level of like Schadenfreude delighted <laughs> that she was when I was talking <laughs> with us about her. She's like, Yeah, man, it was really bad last year. And I was just like, This year, I don't know. And then, but then I was out of town and I don't know. And whew, glad I didn't go.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so, so needless to say, if, um, if you haven't followed, you haven't followed Electric Kazoo uh, once again had a little trouble this past summer and once again finds itself in hot water with, uh, Everyone. Uh, everyone. <laughs> the the long running summer weekend music festival uh, it had this year had to cancel its first day.
1: It, not just not just like let's just, like not just cancel its first day. Had to cancel its first day hours <laughs> before it was set to start, saying that they hadn't finished building the stage because of quote global supply issues.
0: Hmm. Which like right is and then later blamed the new york city for not giving it its permits quick enough yeah but it's like insiders are like mm, mm. unofficially like like off the record like that's bullshit <laughs> um and so then uh i guess on the record we're like that's bullshit. yeah we're, we're unnamed maybe <laughs> unnamed yeah and then um uh, so the first thing it gets canceled and then It decides to oversell the show by 7,000 tickets. Now, the capacity for the event was already 42,500. And uh, so we did a little math, and that's like 16% oversell. And that also includes... A uh, gate crashing incident involving an estimated 1,500 people. Um, yeah, the let's just say the Izu uh, was a fucking mess.
1: <laughs> I was kind of following it on Twitter as, as it was as happening. Well, so basically, what happened was that, like, first day's canceled, everyone's bummed because they're like, yeah, you'll get money back. But, like, they did not feel probably like <laughs>
0: a lot of people did not believe probably accurately, that they were going to get money back. So then people – you know, this is a uh, – Also, my heart goes out to the people who had, like, just done whatever their drug of choice is and then found out that it was canceled. <laughs> yeah. Bummer. Bummer. No. uh, it,
1: It's also – or like depending on the drug, like not bummer, you'll be fine. Yeah, right? Sure. Like that's you fair. meant that's to go fair. to the dance club and but now you're gonna just feel You could go dance like far. that. Right. You can just feel like that in your apartment. And you know what? You'll have a nice time if anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um no, so so then like there were these insane lines, right, to get in because again this was being run incredibly poorly and People had ordered tickets to be delivered to their houses, and then a lot of people didn't get the tickets delivered in time, and so they were put to will call. So there was this enormous will call line. And you saw these Twitter horror stories of these people being like, I got here at 5. <laughs> oh, my God. I, it is 9, <laughs> and I am still in line <laughs> because there's like two people working at the Jesus will call ticket line. So, and, right, this is an evening an evening dance event, right? With But with a curfew on, like, a club. Or, I mean, clubs have curfew, but they can go much later. So, like, people were getting there. You know, it, it, it was a very specific... You know, you yeah. want to be there at the nighttime during the... You know, not... Right, so there's all this, like... Uh, there's a specific set of temporal dimensions, I'd imagine, with a, with a <laughs> dance music festival. Yeah, and so then, as people have been in line for hours legitimate ticket holders who had paid money for the ticket all of a sudden like a text message slash announcement goes out which is that they've hit capacity and that's the crazy thing right it's not it's not just that it's not like it, it's 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 not like like something happened and they couldn't let people in is that they just go oops we've hit capacity which if you purchased a ticket for the event you'd think that you were safe to you know attend the event um yeah so they they like release a message saying surprise we've hit capacity which in retrospect we learned surprise because they wildly oversell they oversold the event which sidebar i feel like it's breaking the cardinal rule of overselling an event i feel like there's two ways to do (laughs) this is kind of a goofy take but like there's two ways to do event-based corruption (laughs) one or uh, events right one is you sell the tickets that you're that's 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 incorrect your listeners there's definitely more than two ways to do events based corruption but like either either i would argue you sell tickets that exist for the event or you oversell tickets and then cram people in in a a dangerous and and potentially like life-threatening way the choice to like oversell the event but then not honor all the tickets is like a unique circle (laughs) of hell. (laughs) It's a, it's a particularly weird choice. And like, usually like if you're going to do it, like just, if you're going to do the crime, just like do the crime doing like, half the crime is just it's just like it's it's kind of cringe to, to be honest
0: uh, yeah I mean I mean uh, yeah it's, it's pretty funny I mean I assume
1: it's because marshals appeared and we're like counting we're like you can't let anyone else in which and we don't, the people which there you were, don't like, know, but considering
0: but, the people that now own Electric Zoo which we'll be on to in a minute it, it wouldn't be surprised if there was uh, some sort of checks and balances by the uh, local or state government um, <laughs> coming through but like I, so basically, I, I wanna, I wanna, basically I, I wanna, then I want to get, wanna get oh, your opinion though on this like particular form of you, because, you know, in Berlin, you can buy tickets to an event at a club and they get turned away at the door because of your dress code. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm just like, well, then, and I don't know if you could get, I don't know if you can get a refund. I'm sure some of our, I don't think you can, but I'm sure some of our listeners would know more than me. Um, I tend to show up at 5 a.m. on a Sunday. But, like, um... <laughs> I-, I feel
1: like, I feel like that's a weird thing where, like you're always there's always reasons that you could sure. get kicked sure. or out not be of an in, right? event right like or not be allowed in you're this you're too drunk you're like there, there's like that i it feel like in a in way that way, like that's like yeah yeah that's a clauses stuff right like you gotta be this you gotta be it's like you can have a reservation at a restaurant but if you're wearing shorts <laughs> like they're like i'm sorry we just don't let Facts. you in
0: yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah okay okay
1: but like this was not this was not <laughs> they were turning people away for like and this is I think the difference between US and, and, and European rave cultures. Like they weren't turning people away for being too tacky and easy.
0: God, <laughs> God bless the yeah. Ravers.
1: Yeah. God bless the Ravers. And they're just like gloriously American refusal to give a single <laughs> fuck. <laughs> like, that's not how this culture works. In some ways, it's a lot more egalitarian, you know? Anyone can come dressed whatever kind of sparkle fairy they want to be. And just like have a whatever time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's there's definitely like a divide in Berlin that we don't need to get into. But uh, so there's the dress in all black clubs, and then there's the sparkle fairy clubs. <laughs> anyway, so they get a text message, and then people so, are like, and people are like, no. people are like I've been in line <laughs> for
1: four hours. And then I think they do the the, the the very natural thing, which is like the people at the front are like, if we if we run right now. I bet we can still get exactly. it. <laughs> Which
0: was correct. Yeah. And apparently like 1,500 of them got in, uh, estimated by the NYPD. A- have you ever been to a crowd rush? You I mean been in a crowd rush?
1: Yeah, been in a crowd rush. Um, it feels like I have, but not that I can remember. I've only seen it... One- it was very... Okay, so there was- this is This is a deep cut story, but... So there was a famous incident <laughs> at my university <laughs> when I was there. <laughs> um... A famous, like, to me. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst show of all time. So, basically... This might get deep, but this is... Basically, there was a fund that the university gave, like, had, that they gave to organizations that brought bands to campus every year. There was a fund. It wasn't, well, I have no idea how much money it was, but it wasn't a huge budget, but it was some,
0: right? Uh-huh. So, who and, did they bring...
1: Well, so usually they gave it to the like weird elitist <laughs> hipster frat who, while iffy in many ways, fair's fair, had excellent taste in music. And they used that money to bring like a ton of weird little bands. Like the biggest band they would bring would be like Lightning Bolt, but it would also be like I saw like this like Europe. P, like Danish avant black metal band, where like they they the show went on an hour and a half late because they were spending all this time tuning their water jugs. Like <laughs> 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 it was sick. It was sick when they finally played. But um, the the so anyway, they, they normally spend all this money on like a ton a ton of tiny little bands. But like there was this movement in campus from like a couple of people who were like this like try to like seize the power from this like this like kind of incestuous cohort of hipsters (laughs) and like throw a show for everyone and so they took they 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 managed to do like a a coup in the like student committee that put on this festival. this is all my understanding if someone (laughs) someone who went to wesley and graduated from wesley in 2011 wants to correct my record on this um please (laughs) Feel free to do so.
0: Yeah, and then, and when well, they did the coup, because they wanted, they wanted like, um, I don't know what year this would be. They wanted like, like fun to play or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it get it's
1: so you're on the right track. But so what they <laughs> took it, they took all of the money, and they blew it all. <laughs> this this coup group on, on Madis Yahoo and Chitty Bang. <laughs>
0: he doesn't have that far of a drive i guess he's living in brooklyn well yeah
1: but do you remember Chitty bang dude
0: like (laughs) barely like i think like barely this is in
1: the asher roth files like um
0: should we play it i might like it
1: (laughs) (laughs) um so they blew the money on (laughs) modesty yahoo and Chitty bang and they put it all in the hockey rink Which was, no one had ever done a show there the whole time I was there, I don't think. And it sounded like absolute shit. And everyone was, like, sitting there. And there were, like, floor seats, Uh like, uh, right up front, which I guess cost more. And then, like, everyone was in the, like, bleachers. Uh Uh-huh. Like, increasingly being like, this fucking sucks. And they had security guys. But it's, like, a hockey rink. So, like, the only thing separating the bleachers and the floor seats is, like, that, like, waist-high barrier. Uh Uh-huh. So, they had these security guys who were, like, blocking it. And then, like, one person ran and, like, got past. And then, like, another person ran and got past. And then, yeah. all of a sudden, there was this moment, yeah, this Everybody moment ran. when, like, everyone realized. It was funny. It's funny when human beings are clearly pack animals. Everyone realized, if we all run now, they can't stop all of us. In fact, they won't stop any of us. And just the entire con- entire concert, boom, was boom. on the floor. Which they all fit because no one wanted to see Manas Yahoo and Chitty Bang. For easily the worst show I've ever seen.
0: In a hockey rink in Westland. <laughs> but, wow. Legendary. But like I, again... I hope somebody got like a recording from the... from It the, uh, sounded from the, uh, so bad. It was all
1: rafters. <laughs> no one... And, and like I imagine a similar thing happened there where this all these people... And, and from reports a similar thing did happen at, at Izu, right? That all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, we're going to be turned away? Fuck this. Fuck this. Yeah. And just... Yeah which is like not and as we'll talk about later like bad it's bad because because it's dangerous
0: because
1: it's super dangerous and it's like people and people got
0: hurt and easily preventable
1: yeah easily preventable and people got hurt not badly thank goodness but like
0: it could have been way worse there's a lot of people there well, I'm glad that um the people that did Gate Rush were safe and got to see I'm looking at the lineup and I know none of these names. Okay, never mind. Okay. Uh, but got to see their <laughs> DJ of choice. Um so 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 like uh <laughs> so how did this all fucking happen? This like long running electronic music festival in New York. How did this happen? Well well well, as it turns out. Those behind the overselling of tickets and this whole debacle was none other than Avad Gardner, a 8,000-person capacity complex in Williamsburg that has quite the history of basically doing a lot of shady shit and pissing off the city and state of New York continually, including, surprise, 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 at their own fucking venue, regularly overselling tickets. Upwards of uh, one, one uh, article I, I read said that they sometimes oversell tickets up to 33% um, at, uh, at their venue. So, um, as I mentioned, Alvan Gardner has this whole history of safety problems and issues. But who the fuck are they? Are they just a bunch of jabronis who uh, don't know how to run a business? Um, well,
1: listener, the answer
0: is yes. <laughs> but they're not um, local. No, it, it, It's two it, yeah. <laughs> Swiss businessmen and uh, in the names of... Billy Bildstein and banker Philip Vederker uh, who both co-founded Avant Gardner in uh, 2017 um so so we'll, we'll we'll get into we'll get into uh, Billy Bildstein and uh, Philip Wiederker in a minute but I think uh, it's probably important that we just like zoom out a little bit and and and, and mention that like Electric Zoo wasn't like this like well-oiled running machine uh, before uh avon gardner took over um uh, the original founders were two local people from long island yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's
1: a hu- husband and wife team mike bindra and laura de palma from long island city queens
0: uh, <laughs> and it basically grew into like one of like the most well known like biggest brands of like EDM at least here in the states i mean i'm sure it's well known across like europe as and, well and
1: i and i think that it's this funny thing right where When you get a little bit of this is that it's hard to think back given how much EDM has changed um, and exploded and kind of institutionalized in an American context over the past decade plus, right? But, like, in the early 2010s, like, dance music was still pretty new in an American context. Sure. Right? Like, I mean... There have been raves in since a complicated like, yeah, the nineties, but like it's right. yeah. there have been raves since the nineties. There had been clearly the origins of this music are in Chicago and Detroit, sure. disco, yeah, going York back City even farther before that, yeah. Right. But in terms of the trajectories of the modern industry and the modern style, right, you get this very kind of classic classic transatlantic story where these African American you know, black forms developed in the US make their way over to europe where they're transformed and then sold back to america i mean it's the british invasion the next you know oh, like, yeah, a good redux, it. yeah right and and in particular i think that while there had been kind of big 90s rave stuff and um you know like Michelangelo manos has, has some really cool uh writing about this various people have done good scholarship on this but like for this current generation i mean like day zero is dubstep in many ways right that for the first you get in in the the like right around you know 2008 2009 2010 you get this music that is aggressive enough stadium enough wild enough um to kind of explode into america and so there is a thing where like yeah there hadn't been much you know there had been like the older version of the scene but, like, for a certain generation, like, millennial generation, like, it explodes in popularity around 2010, 2011, 2012. And so you can have this thing where, like, a local promoter, like, there wasn't a big dance music infrastructure in New York. There were none of the Brooklyn clubs in, like, a, like a mainstream-oriented, well-oiled way. There was, like, Webster Hall. There was Pasha. I, 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 there were. I'm sure there were others, Some but like came and go, that yeah, was kind of yeah. it. Yeah. Others came and go, but in terms of like big clubs, and a lot of those were still like, um, <laughs> like very like uh, kind of like like bridge and tunnel oriented. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, <laughs> in their true. vibe. Yeah, and and so like there was this space where like a, a local organization could come up, throw a thing in New York City, and then become increasingly central to this like broader. Economic, you know, this broader geography of dance music festivals, and clearly, like they made enough money that then a bunch of other festivals that had previously been, you know, coming out of the jam scene, like Bonnaroo, um or indie rock, like Coachella, um, Lollapalooza, start moving more into dance music. Then you get the kind of ex- the Vegasization of everything <laughs> in like the <laughs> mid 2010s, where all of a sudden you get like high end clubs that start developing there to bring in millennial audiences and then kind of like go back out and then so all of a sudden by 20 late 2010s you have this space where Ezu is still around but all of a sudden there's like a lot more cultural interest in this space and financial interest in this space
0: so yeah, I mean, so basically, yeah, definitely, and so basically, like you know, Electric Zoo really kind of blows up and becomes like a mainstay in New York. It eventually gets bought out by bought out by SFX Entertainment, which fucking goes under. And SFX
1: is his own weird story, right? So they get bought out by SFX, and SFX is this um, a project of Robert FX Sillerman, um, who was one of the uh, the kind of initial movers and shakers in the live music entertainment live music industry in the nineties um, and helped to kind of build out the infrastructure that would become um, live nation basically you know, and, and my understanding, I, I don't, I didn't look into all the corporate ins and outs, but I think that like got bought out or left and like was no longer, you know, did had a cr- fabulously <laughs> lucrative career, but didn't necessarily um, like was no longer kind of in the driver's seat. And so he got, but was in a position to get a whole bunch of funding and basically got a ton of funding and said like, dance music is the next concert industry and said i know <laughs> the interviews are incredible he's like i know nothing about this and that and that is why i'm gonna that's why i'm gonna triumph which is oh, I know.
0: Just, these quotes are amazing <laughs>
1: he's like i love it people say bippity boppity and i say i don't know what that means here's a million dollars pal <laughs> he's like i love it <laughs> And yeah, basically he like went in and bought up a bunch of clubs, yeah, based basically, on those in the quotes, like yeah. no understanding of anything. Um, and yeah, it, it went and then it like almost immediately went under when it turned out that not knowing anything about your market or what you're selling isn't actually the most efficient way to make money. I mean, again, like it's possible that you could imagine if in a globalized dance music economy, in one where that's much less tied to local dynamics because of the rise of social media. You could imagine that having a chain of dance clubs so that you could book across them would be efficient and like could be a good business, but a it, it that wasn't true when he was trying it. It's not even true now, though maybe becoming a little bit more true and like <laughs> but also yeah just like didn't make any didn't make any sense because when you're coming in with like a huge amount of financing being like oh i don't want to make deals i just want to get really big really quickly you end up <laughs> signing bad
0: deals yeah that's what happens that happens so i mean basically like you know electric zoo while a popular staple in new york like has had some troubles there's been like instances of like overdoses now there's like the overselling all this stuff it's like its brand is like a little bit tarnished like there was like a 2016 article that you sent me that was like Electric Zoo gets one more chance, like and obviously it's still going on, so I guess it succeeded in uh, (laughs) passing that one chance or whatever. Um, Fast forward to where we are now, and the people that own Electric Zoo is Avant Gardner, these two Swiss businessmen that I mentioned earlier. Uh, who basically come out of, like, some sort of, like, multi-million dollar private equity and asset management firms that manage, like, these massive fortunes of, like, Zurich's wealthiest companies and families. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, maybe the easing of laws restricting dancing in New York City in the last, like, uh, five years, uh, decided to take on New York City's EDM scene for whatever reason. Uh this led to 2017 Avant Gardner becoming a venue and it's probably most known for like the Brooklyn Mirage which is like a 6000 person capacity mega club in Brooklyn which I think which which uh sits like inside Avant Gardner and it's organized by uh, a group called City Fox which is basically just the same dudes behind Avant Gardner and and before we get into Avant Gardner City Fox itself has a long history um uh with uh causing some issues including you know numerous busts by the New York license authority for illegally selling liquor but uh, i think one of the best stories is uh it, it comes uh, in 2015 and like this is like unfucking real but um <laughs> this includes like city fox actually 2015 for halloween Tried to throw a rave at a Superfund site in New York City. So, like, so check the description from a two thousand and fifteen DNA Info article. Uh, like, I can't make this shit up. In preparation for international party promoter City Fox's Halloween rave in two thousand and fifteen, workers at the Newhart Plastics building, a state-designated Superfund site, cut hoses and tampered with a storage drum, allowing contaminated waste to spew onto the floor, according to recent uh, a recent consent decree by the Department of Environmental Conserva- Conservation. Man, if there's nothing I love more is a good toxic waste rave. <laughs> I mean, look, it's Halloween themed. Yeah. <laughs> it's spooky. It's spooky scary. You know? So so uh so so um, No, yeah, they
1: do, they get in there. It's the most like f- and and up until their opening. It's the most like Firefest vibes stuff. We're basically And you know what? I take that back cuz it does disrespect to Firefest. Which by the way is going uh, back
0: this year. <laughs> Did you see that? It's
1: it's but no, no no i i want to like it's not i did see that i did see that um it's 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 there's this crazy and i think that this is like the core tension that we're going to be getting to um and talking about more in the second half of the episode which is that that that's super like it's an insane story they like built a bad stage and like at the superfund site and like cut tubes that were doing important stuff because it didn't look good and like all the power was super dangerous and like and and they were supposed to report any changes to this like incredibly toxic place and then like right before the event like a new york city worker got in there and was like holy shit no 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 and just like (laughs) shut it like hit the big (laughs) hit the big red button that like every new york city like piece of the new york city bureaucracy has somewhere in that office there's the big red like emergency button hit that button and they just shut it down um but like so as funny as funny and ridiculous as that is there is something i think that there's like this fundamental disjunct that that is really troubling in many ways which is like What that is at some level is like finance, you could describe as like finance brain, right? Like literally the idea of financialization in global capitalism is allowing things to be interchangeable and to flow easily and without friction from place to place, right? Right. It's like core neoliberal thinking, right? It's the idea of like rootless cosmopolitanism, it's the idea of quick financial flows, it's the idea of outsourcing, and it's an idea that like, oh, it doesn't actually matter like where this is at some real level. It's just like because every place is entirely exchangeable with every other place, and every performer is entirely exchangeable with every per- other performer, and every community is entirely exchangeable with every other community. And when you get in, that is like this, like hilarious distillation of that idea of like, oh, it doesn't like, you know, like the 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 kind of um, that the Facebook motto, the early internet, right? Like we move fast and we break stuff, like, but applied to, not like a applied not to a like tech platform where it's bad enough but applied to like an actual physical location where if you just break stuff like people get hurt like if you cut the superfund pipes if you cut if you like knock over the toxic dump it's not like every place is every other place it's not like you can move fast and break shit like this isn't online this is real life and like
0: it runs into like the the red tape that actually is like in in place to like keep people like i don't know fucking alive (laughs) and they're like what uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean, and and, and, this, and, and so, this continues when they open Avant Gardner they basically And yeah.
1: and there's like a long struggle to kind of open, open Avant Gardner. They like don't have a liquor license and then they keep having like extra one-off events. They like have what? a lot of fight with the community that they're in because
0: they just like don't respect noise ordinances. But also, but also, like, you know, like, some of that, like, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, like, m- m- allow the, the kids to party. But, I mean, this is, like, real shit. Like, since it's opened, like, not only has it been battling the notoriously strict, like, state liquor license of New York, but there's been, like, real concerns expressed around um, overdoses and deaths. And, like, there's been several kidnappings outside of, like, the venue, uh, like, for people who, like, attend attend those events. Two deaths this summer yeah.
1: outside. Not just OD deaths, but, like, murders were, or suicide. Like, people found in Newtown Creek, which is, like, really grim and weird and unclear what
0: happened. Yeah, and so... So it's not just this, like, you know, like, bureaucratic red tape of, like, oh, you didn't pay your taxes, and so we're going to shut you down. It's, like, there's actually, like, real safety concerns around, like, one of the biggest, uh, maybe it is, like, the biggest sort of club venue in New York, or definitely in Brooklyn. And, and so yeah, And yeah, and, and just what you were saying,
1: Saxon, I think it is important to say that, like, New York City does have a notorious and often, like, racialized set of... um kind of restrictions and rules around nightlife right like that are that allow certain which kinds of venues the bureaucracy allows to survive has been used to shut down certainly all kinds of like black cultural life like throughout the history of the city you've got like the cabaret licensing thing in um which is a whole other story but basically anti-dance legislation that was kind of weaponized against jazz, and and specifically designed to prevent like cross racial spaces from developing in New York City in the, the early 20th century, and that that history continues. Right. with the kind of chasing live hip hop out of new york over like the 90s and 2000s the 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 ways that the police like had like specific dossiers and units like tracking down rappers like this is not to like understate the ways in which like state authority has been used in like repressive ways at the same time and like you're saying like of course they're anti like letting the kids dance and we're I think as a podcast pro letting the kids dance yeah. like yeah pretty easily. <laughs> like that's that's our yeah. stated podcast position, but but it, there also are like this is like grim but like the ghost ship of it all, right? Like fire codes and like super fun site regulations and or like, like as
0: we've talked about before like you know obviously the astro world thing and everything is like as well, you know, like this is all this is these are like things that are concerned and like I think there's like obviously like a lot less Um, Sympathy when it's like Two Swiss finance Bros coming in just like Kicking and screaming because like They don't want to follow procedure And like people are being kidnapped out of their Fucking venue um, Versus like a DIY Venue that's like a capacity of 500 People being shut down because of like some Like racial or like social bullshit Um, And
1: and it's it's also I think another thing that's complicated that I mean I think we can get into more later uh, When we think about like the globalization of dance music culture. And I think the question and, and a lot of the tensions around Avon Gardner prior to this most recent Izu <laughs> kerfluffle uh have been around yeah, the state kind of uh state oversight of the of related to um their ability to sell liquor and the kind of the the company that they hired to do so had had originally worked to plan the venue, but actually then the venue owners and the the security company that was overseeing them like got into increasing like tense interactions and the security company basically starts saying like this is just the the, the amount of drug use at this venue is like rampant and and dangerous and again that's another set of like complicated dynamics right because at one level I'm like let the kids dance and kind of let the kids dance you know I'm not, I'm not a prohibitionist right like let the kids dance means let the kids dance. On the other hand, I do think that there's this less tangible, less bureaucratic question about community maybe, right? Like there's ways that you can have a place where people go to take drugs and listen to dance music that are more or less safe. And that like where the, the, there are, there are sets. And we've talked about this a little bit before, like, again, like with questions of like mosh pits, (laughs) right? Like, you can have a culture that encourages like checking in on people and like kind of rules for like how things should go, or you can have like a space with loud music that people go to take drugs in kind of an atomized way. And like those are two very different vibes. And one is more dangerous. Right.
0: And like I mean, you know, obviously in Berlin, obviously like club and drugs go hand in hand and there's usually like people at the venue that like work for the venue who are like on the lookout for like people who are struggling or overdosing or whatever and also there is like a culture that's been developed like in that city amongst the the people that are attending these events to pay attention to that as well but i think also i kind of want to go back to this interesting thing about like what you were saying earlier about the sort of frictionless move of capital and this like neoliberal economic uh paradigm we exist in and how like it when it tends to sometimes tends when it oftentimes bleeds into the government or like the like local authorities, because what's so interesting about this story is that so Avon Gardner essentially has all these issues, which we've been discussing. But then guess who gets elected? Oh, our beloved Eric Adams, a former NYPD cop and I guess Democrat, LOL, <laughs> soon to be independent, probably. Um, yeah, who, <laughs> it's not a bad cop yeah, Who uh, personally helped broker a deal recently, between the New York mayor and the State Liquor Authority to help Avant Gardner maintain its liquor license uh, when it was up for renewal this past May. Which, Sam, why would a mayor, in a very rare instance, step in to help a music venue that has had major safety concerns and to help them maintain their liquor, liquor license? Well, uh, clearly to support local businesses, right? Or... I mean, Ma- Eric
1: Adams. Eric Adams famously... Does love to support local businesses true, with his true. patronage, or maybe this it's is because
0: true. Eric Adams' close friend is Frank Corone, who was the lawyer for Avant Gardner, uh and now or uh, before, sorry, who was the lawyer for Avant Gardner before serving as the mayor's chief of staff last year? Wow, oh, funny how this things work. Well, he does like to, he does
1: like to patronize businesses that are owned by his close friends. Oh, I see. I in see. fairness. <laughs> Um, and that may or may not pay taxes,
0: yeah, right, right, and so then, of course, this electric zoo thing happens, and now you know Eric Adams was you know whatever momentarily in hot water fingers are being pointed at him for his like close relationship with these people, yada, 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 um, which we don't need to go into, but like unsurprising. But I do think it's an interesting nugget that just when you start to have see like this sort of mentality in which you're which you were explaining about like this this sort of frictionless move of capital and this sort of like neoliberal approach and when you have these like businessmen coming in and then it kind of bleeds into uh, the city and how it's run yeah and the politics and the politicians and like the development of the city like yeah you begin to see shit shows like electric zoo to bring a full circle well,
1: it's also it's also like. Um like thinking about like the very specific micropolitics of Adam's relationship to the state liquor board. Right. Which is that. And again, this is like part of the, it, it's both like, we're not again saying that there is anything that resembles corruption here, but that, cl- you know, friends helping friends. Yeah, vibes facts. <laughs> But in addition to that, right, in addition to those kind of like classic, like rich people make lots of friends because they're so friendly and then their friends help them because they're everyone's just great pals. See, our like some of our Supreme Court justices. Yikes. There's also an interesting like, again, about friction and about governance and about who should govern and how government should work here, which is that. This part of Adams's support for Oven Gardner is about the fact that the State Liquor Board isn't run out of New York City; it's run by New York State. Exactly. There's been a long-running series of, of kind of jurisdictional battles between the mayor of New York and the state of New York. Clearly, because it's it's kind of this weird situation where, like, I guess the governor is more powerful in some ways, but like the the mayor of New York and the New York City government is this enormous independent organization right and so like who should run which pieces and how should it all get funded it's like extremely tense and i think that that adams claimed that the state oversight had like been used in the past to kind of quash was unnecessarily difficult and was being used to quash the evolution of new york nightlife which is something that like he in particular supports um and which is interesting because again it's about like detaching local detaching spaces from like the structures of governance that they're in but also again i guess like some of the complexities not quite multiple but like the, the sense that this can cut two ways because at one level like you don't want to say like everything should be enmeshed in like power structures such that like people like in upstate New York get to determine what people in New York city are doing. But you also, the problem is when you separate things out like that, when you break things into smaller constitutive pieces, big money can come in and then big money is bigger in relationship to the smaller pieces (laughs) and can get its way more in relationship with the smaller pieces than it can in like a more, cohesively organized more or like a larger whole right so it's i can imagine it's easier for swiss private finance to come in and make some stuff happen in new york city than it is for swiss finance to like come in and make some stuff happen in new york state it's a bigger bigger boulder to push new york state
0: yeah that's a, that's an interesting divide but it, i think it maybe brings up like something we want to discuss like in the last like uh last third of this of this show which is the fact that which is that all of this is also an example of how clubbing has become big business as a recent resident advisor article put it and how literally billions of dollars are now being put into like this industry. And I think that that's striking a sort of real divide between maybe some of the more communal sort of like slightly utopic visions of what, like, the club scene can and has at times been versus, like, this is, like, another musical touchpoint for us to, like, make, for, like, finance people to make a bunch of fucking money. And I think it also relates, it's complicated, too, because, like, one idea that was put forth in this Resident Advisor article, which we can go ahead and link to, you know, was that there should be, like, more, like, you know, state funding or government owned or whatever to like spaces that kind of allow um for these whatever dance art arts and culture places that isn't just backed by like whatever swiss financers <laughs> but i think even that becomes a little more complicated when you become when you begin to also like sort of reflect upon like the way that cities are changing and then like the city governments and how they're wanting to like present the city and everything which i'm saying which you're seeing a lot in like berlin where you're yeah.
1: You're beginning yeah, yeah, to yeah.
0: see, like, these clubs. And, and like, we, I've texted with you and David about this. But you're beginning to see the government. Obviously, there's a lot more funding. And they've been funding. They recently opened. There's a club that opened up in the old Teagle Airport. It's called Turbulence or something. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I know, I know, I know. It's fucking so cool. I mean, I haven't been there. so I can't say. But, like, six people, they call them creative independents or whatever, like, you know, are the ones that are, like, running it. And they got a lot of funding from the state. But you have to know, like, Tegel is, like, extremely, extremely far out from, like, the city center. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, in an area in Berlin where there's, like, a number of clubs, like Renata Garden and, like, Club OST and, like, About Blank, like, the local government is basically building, like, these massive new office buildings and apartment buildings, like, right on the river. And then simultaneously, they trying to build, like a, f- like, a freeway through this area, which would bulldoze all these clubs. Right. So to me, I mean, just to read this, it's, like, an example of, like, finally after fucking 40 years like the berlin government being like okay like obviously like we're a cultural center and like clubbing is like a huge part of that but how do we make it clean and safe in a, in a way that we can approve of and keep it on the outskirts while we have like this like safe like family oriented maybe finance driven like center of uh, like that is it you know next to an abandoned old train station that there's like a club party going on 72 hours straight you know, I mean, like, so it's like this tension, you know. Like, I don't know, like, I don't really, like, I don't want like the privatized Swiss financiers, but I don't necessarily. And maybe this is my American in me talking. I don't really want like the state funded, like club either. uh It's it's very it's very it's very complicated.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's right, and I, and I think that like, it it might be worthwhile just to like I think just point out to the dangers of some of this. Like at one level it might be impossible to avoid it because (laughs) if you haven't checked New York city, real estate's expensive. And there've been a couple, (laughs) there've been a couple of, of examples um, um, of places that have been able to like get enough investors to like own their clubs and then kind of like keep them with like a minimal sense of like return on investment. Um, But at the same time, like, it can take finance to open in new york city to open a venue like <laughs> real estate again like it's yeah, crazy I mean, and, and, so these huge, and like
0: yeah and so these huge clubs in berlin even now the prices in berlin have gone up and even these huge clubs like they've been there for like fucking 30 years so they got in when it was cheap
1: right and and so like there might not be avoided, a way to avoid it as like nightlife becomes an increasingly like um important part of like the as various kinds of prohibitions drop and it becomes an increasingly important part of like the city's understanding of itself. It's just, you also, as you get a generational change, I mean, like thinking about this, uh, like I cannot believe that part of like the financial push into nightlife is not because like the investment bankers <laughs> who are 40 <laughs> spent some time, right. The ability they're, they're like, spent some time, <laughs> dancing on Molly in their lives right. and they're like this is a cool thing to invest in um it's got a lot of cultural cachet and like but i guess the thing is that the clear danger for me in in this is the in, potential incompatibilities between a nightlife model and a safety model let alone like a music model right like forget like sad to say like putting (laughs) putting like the cultural and aesthetic viability of a dance music scene to the side because like like it's still in capitalism and figuring out how you have i mean arguably i would say dance music is better than is better at this than many styles of music just in that like the originators of various styles, because they can keep spitting new music, can sometimes get can continue working in a way that's a lot of times not true in other musics, and certainly there's like multi generational interactions in dance music that it seems like is not as true in other musical forms. Um, but but anyway, putting like how you keep a thriving dance subculture if uh live music. sorry. If dance music becomes a big business, like aside, like there's a clear, there's a clear disjunct between just like safety and community safety and money, right? All the things that you would do to maximize the amount of money that you'd get out of a space. Some of those are, like, the classic, like, you have VIP sections, I guess. But, like, a lot of it, especially in the kind of, like, the more egalitarian vibes of a dance floor, like, are things that are get dangerous, right? Like, emphasizing alcohol sales, emphasizing, you know, pushing more people into rooms, uh, cutting corners wherever you can. And the thing is just that, like, I think at a fundamental level, and, and we'll see, right? Right now, when you have all this push... Of private equity into various dance music spots across the world I mean my gut is that a lot of that is kind of bubbly in that like it seems like it's a great business but actually like it in the in the history of the last century like owning a live music venue is can can if you do it right be a steady gig but it tends not to like make hand over fist money forever very boom and bust clubs open clubs close right there's that that, that's why that like we every i don't see a fundamental difference that have happened with the rise of dance music that like suddenly changes the basic economics of of nightlife in a way that like all of a sudden clubs will now be able to make money a lot of money over the long term in a way that makes them a good financialized investment so what that means is you do i think if if i'm right right and because I do think, I do think it's important to say, I do think it's possible that, like, it's possible to make a business that makes some profit enough to stay afloat, enough to, like, maybe return something to your investors and, like, a slow growth model. And you could even imagine, like, it's weird to say, like, pro SFX, but, like, a chain of dance music clubs that, like, tied to... Like, that could potentially work, right? But, but if you accept that the kinds of returns that investment bankers tend to want aren't gonna happen what you get is a very very dangerous set of conditions where the way that you get money is by cutting corners when the money starts when the money doesn't roll in the way you want and you still need to show profit the only way to do that is to reduce costs and increase the amount of income and the only way you do that is by cutting corners and shoving more people into a Clubs and events, and what that looks like, Saxon. What that looks like is Izu, right? What that looks like is selling seven thousand extra tickets on a forty-two thousand event, where a year, two years after Astroworld, where you know, where you know that if you put too many people in a space without proper safety regulations, you know what can happen. And the way you're doing that because you want to return.
0: And this is and this is really frustrating for me because I think that like we also when we did like the episode that was around Ticketmaster and Pearl Jam, we also kind of made the argument or didn't make the argument, but that like it's actually really difficult for like a band to go out on its own and like do this on its own, right? And it's and one of the conclusions we came to was like. Ticketmaster and like whoever else, Live Nation, like know what they're doing. Like let them do what they want to do. What let them do what they do well. Yeah. Right. Like they have the resources. They have the cat. You know, they have like the history of doing it. Like let them do it. Right. And I think that like that's the frustrating thing is that like because there's a counter argument to be made to what you're saying is the sense that like like well actually like it's in their best interest to keep people safe because then people yeah. won't want to go to their fucking like their shows or their 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 raves or whatever if they're like constantly like. Having to wait in line for five hours, there's like gate crashing, people are dying, like people don't want will not want to go there, so it's almost kind of in their best interest and also like it's also wild because if you actually are a Swiss financer, you have the capital or resources to actually make it safe, and that's the fucking crazy thing about it is that like I agree with what you're saying, but actually, in some ways, like they're the ones that are in the best fucking position to actually put the money towards making it safe and still making a huge profit opposed to these sort of like what we have in Berlin, which is sort of like more, um, you know, uh, uh, benevolent group of, of dedicated DIY communities that are just doing it more out of, because they want to maintain a scene and less because they want to make a profit. I mean, obviously profits important to maintain, but it's like less about that. And it's, but like, yeah, that works oftentimes more when it comes to like safety. It's really, it's fucking
1: difficult. Well, a it's because they don't, A it's because they don't care. Right. At some level. And again, it's about the interchangeability. They don't know what they're they don't really like what the music. They don't respect the scene. They don't love the kids. Right. There's also like the counter argument to what you said is is the history of Island Garner. Right. It's because it turns out that they can they have kept getting away with it. Right. People have died of overdoses kidnapping drug use. It's an unsafe thing. It's an unsafe environment. I mean i don't know if they're responsible for the kidnappings but like no, it's an crazy unsafe like. <laughs> it's an unsafe environment in many ways it seems like they could certainly they consistently oversell shows and like it's fine and they make money and they right are able to expand into doing something like buying Izu. and the question is like the only like I, I i totally disagree right that like i think that there's people will i think that 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 the argument that consumers are ultimately going to be able to enforce their rights through the power of the marketplace i, I don't think that's right dude no I, no no. i think people that like you're right like saying like if if they keep messing stuff up yeah you know, people people still go like i do think that that's where you have to like when people break, like, the safety laws, it's because it, it, it's the, the 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 classic, like, short-term thinking versus long-term thinking of capitalism, right? Like, A, we don't know the financial structures of these various clubs, so it's, like, it's totally possible, like, the individual decision makers, their money is tied to stocks or their money is tied to various, like, they're planning to flip it in a couple of years or whatever. And so, like, actually, they don't need to ensure the long-term viability of a community. They just need to ensure, like, short-term profitability, but also, I think there's the classic, like, you only need to have, like, one, you can have a lot of close calls, and it's all fine, and you only need to have something disastrous happen once, right? To, like, ruin people's lives, and, like, and there, there's no interest, <laughs> it, they're, they're, it's not in their interest to, like, c- keep making it safe if they, at some level, don't think that, there's no, there's no mechanism to enforce like the fact that like oh if an astro world happens you go to jail for the rest of your life. N- Ticketmaster didn't even assume, Live Nation didn't assume any responsibility for Astro World, right? So like if something bad happened. The, there's no there's no enforcement mechanism. yeah
0: so like who is the what's the only like what? what's the like whose responsibility is it? right if you like said if it? you said
1: if there's a crowd crush and someone gets killed you are going to you the owner of Avant garner are going to go to jail for the rest of your life i think that there'd be a lot more safety regulations
0: possibly 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 i mean hard to say hard to say but i but think the not. overall thing is that there is i mean i don't know i don't know no because i don't know i mean like i don't like I mean that because that, that also feels like that <laughs> falls into say. the idea of like you know if you kill somebody like you're going to jail. But there's hella murders going on, so I don't know. Uh, like, I mean that's a whole that's that's a real morbid way of ending it. But I mean in the sense of like the threats, it's like it, yeah, I don't know. I mean like no, I know the cancel culture hasn't ne- maybe has made people a little bit more careful about you know minding their p's and q's, but it hasn't stopped sexual harassment. So I mean it hasn't stopped like these kind of things you know no i know but I, I guess what i'm saying though is i just feel like well it's the tension that exists right now it's a tension right like you're getting you're getting millions like billions of dollars being put into like clubbing like right now like I, like the, the international music summit said that like the club the global electronic music industry is valued at 11.3 billion versus like 8.7 billion in 2019 it's growing it's huge you see what's happening in new york you see what's happening in berlin and like this is the tension and like you have and like Unfortunately, like fortunately, I am for the checks and balances to keep people safe, and we've been talking about this. We talked about it with, like, with um, you know, with the with World Travis Scott situation. But it's like, I don't know, like it. it in the end, like the kids are going to continue to want to go. Or we're all going to want to go dancing, and like it's, it becomes a consumer's no, choice, I, which is like I, completely unfair because it should be like there should be checks and balances being placed in to, to to maintain the safety of people who just want to go and have a good time. I got a little bit heated here, I think,
1: because. This, this research shook me. And it shook me because, right, Astroworld re- literally just happened. And again, like, this could have gone, Izu could have gone way worse than it did. And it just made me feel like the the set of, like, incentives around like we're talking about about safety about profit like haven't gotten realigned in a in a safer way or a more sustainable way and in fact as money that expects returns gets poured into dance music as money that expects like everything to kind of work the same which means it's detaching specific spaces from the kind of community norms both like within dance music and the broader communities around it that like developed over time to encourage spaces i just feel like this made me feel like it's the first in a a number of kind of dangerous like this felt, felt like another like warning like red warning flag that all the all the trends seem like it's pointing towards more danger and not less um even though we know how badly things can go
0: wrong like all the incentives yeah yeah and we're just and we're just sounding the alarm and like i don't know if anything like people who listen to the show and go clubbing like consider your choices i guess i don't know <laughs> like, you know well, whole no i mean up. or like uh don't vote for eric adams i mean i don't know <laughs> that's an easy one <laughs> yeah yeah but no i think it's i think it is a certain I think- and there and there
1: are there are clubs that are that are more community or owned and they're smaller clubs right that um tend to have closer ties to communities no but this is like this is a, a a grimmer watch this space than some of these are um and uh i mean it'll be interesting to see if if uh the organizers how pissed off the city government is about those seven thousand extra tickets
0: yeah we'll be we'll uh we'll keep we'll keep an update on it um so we'll tie bow in this one here uh, thanks for listening Music by Bird Language Stay tuned for another uh, episode That will be coming next week With David Turner Our new collaboration Subscribe to our newsletter Subscribe to Penny Fractions And we'll see you soon Bye